Anime is a vast and varied medium, and if you're not already familiar, it can be daunting to find something you might be interested in watching. This is a podcast where three average anime enjoyers introduce their uninitiated co-host to their favorite anime touchstones, so he can join them deep in the weeds. A boy has a right to dream. This week we watched the first four episodes of Outlaw Star. Outlaw Star is a space opera slash space western seinen series about Gene Starwind and his motley crew of an inherited ship dubbed the Outlaw Star as they search for a legendary outer space treasure trove called the Galactic Leyline. The original 21-chapter manga series by Takehiko Ito were published between 1996 and 1999 and subsequently collected into three volumes. Sunrise produced a 26-episode anime adaptation that aired in 1998 in Japan. The English version aired on Toonami in early 2001 and later on Adult Swim in 2002. The broadcast of the show was heavily edited due to its adult content. Profanity was removed, scenes with violence and lewd behavior were cut or toned down, and many scenes containing nudity were altered by digitally inserting clothing onto the character. So this, yeah, I was going to say, this one was on a couple of our lists. I also kind of have a personal subtitle for this show, Mm -hmm. and it is... You know, that series which Josh Sweden completely cribbed off of for uh, Firefly. <laughs> because you, if you watch this, and then you watch Firefly and how it has its lovely opening and introduction of the character of River, you know, there's a, a lot of similarities. I mean, girl-in-a-box anime is an ever-recurring trope. Really? True. Yes, yeah. I was going to say, this This is my technically my second girl in a box anime. What kind of delivery service do they have? Don't they, like, <laughs> put these things through x-ray scanners or something? Listen, you call Bob up Kiki and, you know, she'll get you what you need. Bob, after the podcast, I'm going to tell you about vending machines in Japan. Oh my god, mm-hmm. yeah. And, but here's the other reason I kind of throw shade at Joss Whedon. As, as mentioned in the description, this is a sci-fi space opera slash space western, much like the fly, the Firefly. Yeah, but even in this series of shows we're watching, this is like the what fourth or fifth one, right? It's just yeah, we a do lot of the visual language space western. <laughs> well, they're good, and yeah, then again, I'm not, it'll yeah, become a genre space... onto itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. I'm just saying, there's a there's a lot of visual language here that kind of translates over it. I'm just like, huh. mm-hmm. just throwing it out there. And like I said, that's my personal subtitle. I just, but yeah, no, this this was my very first anime way back in the day when this was on the Midnight Run. Oh, that was a fancy one. That's where there was less censoring. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will say, I think I watched the uncensored version, so. Yeah, I think all the like the ones on streaming and stuff are the original yeah. uncut version. Which I don't see it compared to what mature audiences would be referred to today. 
that's quite that level. But yeah, I mean, when it was on Toonami, you know, you're aiming at like a um. They have very specific like tone down any like overt sexual or like sexuality type stuff, which includes nudity. Yeah, but that's like a TV fourteen. So like one one of the ones I remember specifically is like in the first episode. Uh, when Jim is like, so why do you got your hand on her ass? And you cut to it, and he just, like, rips his hand off. It's just like, oh, like, that uh-huh. much is cut. It's like, oh, okay, you are just not. Let me tell you, you, there was, like, very, very slight mentions of Gene being some sort of sex pest in the original Toonami airings, and just like, oh, <laughs> it's actually all over it here. In the episode, what was the third episode, when they're talking about, hey, you popped your cherry, let me tell you, that got a hand oh, oh. redub. That whole list, yeah. Anyway. Just need to stop saying that. <laughs> yeah. In fact, Bob, to a point, this was back in the day when 26-episode single-season series were common. And you would see those 26 episodes on Toonami. This was a 25-episode series. Uh, the, 20, <laughs> the actual missing episode... At the time, <laughs> we're going to go on the way back machine, only existed on VHS, later DVD and Blu-ray and streaming. And let me tell you, I bought that, the, the final tape of Outlaw Star once upon a time. And I'm like, what's this episode? I don't remember. Ah, this is why I don't remember. You don't this remember one. the Hot Springs episode? <laughs> the gratuitous fan service episode uh-huh. never made it to air because there is no censoring that episode. <laughs> but it ends up being a five minute episode with 25 minutes of commercials. Yeah, basically. But it's a Hot Springs mm. episode where they explain how the guns that shoot magic spells work. It's the coolest. It's what, it's one of my favorite episodes for that. <laughs> and that's the thing that pissed me off the most when I, I remember when I first watched it, I'm like, that's, that makes so much more sense than what I had beforehand. Where was this? Why? Oh, yeah, that's why. Uh, TNA for 18 of the 20-minute runtime. Okay. Uh-huh. That episode, they did air that episode in 2018 on Adult really? Um, But they made a TV MA rating. And ah. they still did some minor edits because, like, Aisha's nipples are visible at some point. So they, like, yeah. took that out. But all of Asia is visible at some point. <laughs> the strongest Asia in the galaxy. <laughs> so, do we want to jump in, or do we just want to keep sort of uh, gushing holistically? <laughs> Let us I, I will just in. say, I I have the... This is the series for me. I know Bebop really does it for a lot of people. This is the one that does it for me on the... Excuse me. On the lived-in aesthetic. The, mm. Everything in this universe feels lived-in. Nothing feels sterile and clean or Star Trek-esque. This is very... Form and function are one in the same. And I just love it. Yeah, I definitely have some notes about that in, like, 2 and 4. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's, let's go ahead and jump in. Bob, tell us about Episode 1. Oh, Episode 1 introduces us to Gene and Jim. And let me just say, having them play poker is interesting. I thought that Gene kind of stood out as being a little kid in the bar. And then talking about how he is able to draw in the woman. And it's like, wow. Jim, you need to calm down. Because he really is that smart little kid. At least we got him introduced early on. As opposed to waiting for episode four or five. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, if I recall, this 
episode actually starts with a fight in space. Yes, it does. Cold open on grappling and, combat. Yeah, the cold opens of this series are just perfect. And that's a. Is this the only episode where they don't start with a in-universe explanation of some random fact that leads into the episode? No, but a lot of like the ones that don't are at the end. It's essentially the last episode, and I think maybe the one before. Everything else essentially has exposition, the cold open, but they're mm. such good expositions. Narrated by Jet Black. Yes! <laughs> I, I was going to get to that in the next episode, but yes, it's like, yo, we heard you like Bebop, here's here's some Bo Billingsley for you, just eat your heart out. <laughs> so it doesn't take much of a stretch, I know it's... It, very clearly explained later on, but it's Gene that's the red-haired kid mm-hmm. in the grapple battle. And... Eh? I don't know. I Until they got further on explaining the differences between the different classes and why these things would happen, I was like, well, that's kind of unfortunate. Uh, oh, go ahead. I was just say the one thing I really appreciate about when they introduced Gene is... For as happy-go-lucky, they they don't waste a lot of time showing. It's like this guy's got a lot of baggage. I he, will. Oh, he's bye. covered in scars, <laughs> mm-hmm. which they never explain. I'm gonna save my character analyses for episode four. Just know that Gene is definitely one of the more interesting characters, and the one that I see myself actually in the most. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do, but we'll, yeah, I'll agree with you. We'll, we'll save that for there. I just, I just like that. It's like he goes from happy-go-lucky to, well, I paid for it, and I'm still not really happy. Mm-hmm. So later on, we are introduced to a space battle as well with Ice Hot Hilda. Did I got her name right. Hot, Hot Ice, Ice Hilda. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, oh, it's right there. Mm-hmm. And Ice, anyway, uh. So Hilda is an interesting character. Something happens to her, which makes her crash on the ship. I don't remember this part. Oh my goodness! I know she ends up on the planet. So she was in a fight with the with the non named sect of space pirates yes. of small, medium, and large, and they uh, pretty much hound her into a getaway. Which in my notes, like. That's the coolest getaway. It's like, no, no, we, we've we got you. We've locked you down. Like, nah, nah, FTL, bye. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we go back. <laughs> screw the haters, go. And then so she goes to Sentinel 3 where we meet Gene, Jim. Uh, and Death Rob. Death Rob, thank Death you. Death I was Rob. trying to think of oh the tender and his waitress. So but, ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, we got Death, Death Rob. With the manufacturer guaranteed weak spot. <laughs> <laughs> but we're introduced to the fact that uh, cyborgs exist in this universe. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'm starting to believe it's another one of those uh, common tropes. Yep. There are a lot of cyborgs and a lot of different things. Oh, trust me. We're gonna, we have very cyborg-heavy shows coming up in later tiers. Yo, I heard you like cyborgs. Fortunately, Jim is there to be like, oh, he's a six, I think it was. I need to attack here. A C-type frame or something? Yes, he's a C-type. Go for his weak spot. 
I do love how this opening fight like immediately just sort of paints their relationship as a duo where it's just like Gene is this is like it's like it's the muscle and the brains because like but 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 also the way that they like part of it is the way that this show is like not going out of its way to explain everything about the world to the viewer. It's just like they're just saying stuff and like you're getting a picture of what this means. It's like, oh, cyborgs are real. Oh, this other thing. Oh, okay. But then also like they're just saying stuff to each other. And it's just like, oh, it's a type C. And he's just like, got it. I know what that means. I'll go here. It's like I, I just love seeing the way that they're setting up. They're like, yeah, no, these are these are a competent pair of like – kids basically when you learn that gene is only supposed to be 20 yeah man child and his 12 year old keeper with you know the maturity of a 50 year old uh-huh. he so runs the using, business yeah using one of his magic bullets uh which costs a lot of money mm-hmm. according to jim uh we find out he's down to two of this particular bullet uh, takes out, you know, Death Rob. Oh no, that was with a knife. Was that with the a caster knife? comes later. Yeah, oh, thank knife. you. He, I got it reversed. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, he runs into a lady named Rachel, Rachel Sweet. Rachel Sweet. Sweet old Rachel Sweet, who clearly is totally not anyone else. <laughs> uh, there's no setup here whatsoever. Rachel Sweet is, like, hiring them because she needs particular parts that deal with micro-robotics. Hmm. Bodyguard. I don't understand why she needed a bodyguard. She sounds nothing at all like Kilda. You think that's why? So she could throw some shade off of herself? I'm, I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah, like, definitely, because she knows, like, hey, I, I mean, like, that was the whole thing, right? It's like, she knew that she was being pursued by the, uh, the K-Pirates, and so, like, actually was just like, I do actually need some help keeping them off my back while I, I get Melfina off of this planet. Oh, I thought we were being sarcastic about Rachel's motives. Yeah, absolutely. It's, oh no, I'm going to be followed. I, I have a thing. There's mm-hmm. a MacGuffin we'll deal with eventually. And, and they want me dead for reasons. Of course they're going to come get me. I need someone to, you know, yeah. Operation Human Meat Shield. I mean, she tries to give the excuse of just like, oh, this is a dangerous place and I'm so new here. But it's just like, yeah, no, nobody, nobody's buying that. I, what do you mean, Nick? Her, as Jim tells the audience, all of her credentials are green. Yeah, but the actual readout on the computer is like, figure, good. It's just like, yeah. I'm surprised it doesn't have her like butt size on there in inches. Well, said Listen, I, suppose. I I have a belief that in in universe lore somewhere, my head canon is Gene wanted that information. Jim talked him down to just body type. <laughs> Eventually, the the gay pirates catch up to him, and flashback for me as I ponder this episode. At the beginning, you are well close to the beginning. You're introduced to the villains. And they are the most villainy of all villains I've ever seen. You've got old man Dr. Robotnik, <laughs> who have weird, you know, plaster face man, and then Batrock the Leaper flying around in the spaceship. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, small, medium, and large. Old girl and sword. The three genders. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the pirates catch up, and, you know, they go to battle uh, afterwards because Hilda is definitely concerned about this package. Uh, she, she shoots Jean, right? She does. Yeah. yeah. She, and she just cold, cold guns him. And forces Jim to help with getting the package. And I'm really super shortening this, so I apologize. No, you're fine. Uh, uh, the container is opened and bum, 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 nudity. <laughs> well, we we also we we did kind of gloss over the OG not dead. Yeah, it hit the little uh, Nintendo DS in his pocket, so he's actually fine. Which like, the, there's definitely a problem in anime where sometimes you have the like idiot savant who is either like just like dumb but impossibly talented, like your your um. Who's that fool? We were just talking about Mr. Trigun, Vash. Vash. Like, like you have like a Vash who is just like, oh no, I'm just a simple idiot, but actually I'm the most talented dude you've ever seen. But then like sometimes you have the sort of protagonist who is just like, uh, well, like I'm decent, but actually my 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 uh, min max stat is luck, and that's the way I get through everything. And I got to give it to Gene. Like this, he survives that on luck. But, like, everything else that goes on, he's just, like, competent, but also, like, gets in over his head a fair amount. Like, even during this couple of episodes. Like, Gene just has so many just, like, oh, shit moments. And, like... Not only that, I would I would qualify him if, if we really had to put, like, a class analysis. It's like, he is the true rogue type. He, he's good at dodging. He, he's spry. He's quick. He's got charisma, apparently. He done the other dump stat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, it, I, I just really like the way that the show paints him as like, re- like almost like a, a realistic protagonist. Just like, no, he is very talented, but like, he still takes hits. He still gets by on luck sometimes. He still gets in over his head. Like, th- this is a in in terms of like just like the power level of a protagonist. I feel like that he's a very like realistic and engaging one. I know we said we're saving the, the character analysis mm-hmm. for later, but like I, he, but this he has a lot of interesting hook. drive, yes. That's the hook there. It's like you see this character, it's like, oh, huh. This is a this is more believable than or at least relatable than ah, you know, I I know Kung Fu, I'm the best fighter that ever was. Like, like no nah, no, nah, I'm gonna get hurt, but you know, it's gonna be a good time. Yeah, like, I'll preface it with interesting protagonist. Yeah. For for being like, oh, our main character is the most talented dude in the galaxy. Like, it's a very realistic take on that, which is, it, it's just nice to see. You don't see that almost mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, this is one of the reasons, again, that when I first, first saw this in the Midnight Run, I was like, this is far more interesting than anything else I've seen in a long time. I had forgotten how many cool girls there are in this show. Right? Cool girls all the way down. 
Well, let's be honest. The muscle in this show is are, are well. We meet one by the what third and fourth episode mm-hmm. uh, that sticks around. You know, mm-hmm. we, and Hilda. We start with Hilda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then eventually we get to. We will actually move on to episode yeah. two. And yeah, it's just, oh, just great female characters. So episode two introduces us to the reason why Hilda wanted this container. Doesn't exactly explain why, but at least gives some of the picture. What's in the box, Bob? Uh, a little girl. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I don't know her age. I don't know if it's... I'm led to believe with this theory of either 11 or 20, <laughs> she's probably closer to 11 than 20. Uh, um, let's be okay. She's probably 18. Which, which makes the show really weird. She's, she's, she's 18, built, I'm guaranteeing it. She's built to have an 18-year-old's body. Oh, no. She's, like, two. <laughs> yeah, she's, like, fully... Well, is she two, or is she the second version, and she was just born out of that box? I feel like you have given me information I don't know. <laughs> let, let me tell you, with, with how this show goes, like, towards the end of the season, well, series, I fully believe this is a, this is, like, version 3.0. Anyway, so the ships, or the box is slowly opening up. And I say slowly because I swear it's one of those distorted time visuals <laughs> of uh, her being reawakened from suspended animation. Yeah, it's like so, what, 100 minutes or 600 seconds, is, so it's like 10 minutes. I remember. And then you know, 30 seconds later, 300. <laughs> and two minutes later, 240. Make up your mind. Uh, hey, but, this, ain't, this ain't 24. They can skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So Jean and Hilda are holding off the pirates while Jim stays with, who we eventually learn her name is Melfina, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is actually a kind of a cool name. And I do, uh, I do appreciate that, like, Hilda respects Melfina and is just like, no, she has a name, it's Melfina. She, did, she doesn't give her that name, she's like, no, that's what her name is, she comes with that name. Respect it. And in an interesting twist that I, I actually didn't expect, uh... Hilda and Jim go off to get the ship while Jean stays with Melfina to protect her. I don't know why, but I expected it to be the other way. Or mm-hmm. Jean and Hilda to go off. It's, it was nice. I mean, it's a trope for a reason. <laughs> they... Everybody goes to space. <laughs> yes. And then we get introduced to the fact that Jean hasn't been to space since we've seen him... In the whole grapple battle. The incident. Well, the, the, I'm sure it's just past trauma. That that cold open grapple battle was like flash forward. Uh, when we come back from the eye catch and we see his like traumatic incident in space that makes him so like traumatized about it. Um, and- for, for reference, I, I don't think this this part I think is also said later in the show, but that is when he was 15. So he, from five years, he goes from that little baby child to... It is gross part, huh? Uh-huh. As one does in anime. I would also he like to interject vitamins. real quick. Yeah. I would like to interject real quick because, of course, what I show here are, are, are four protagonist characters in order of age, including age, Jim, 12, Malfina, 17.8 years old? 
which is just a very interesting kind of. I would actually have to her eighteen point two. Yeah, I was say, it's just color eighteen. Please, mm-hmm. for love of God, color eighteen. Um, she is by the end of the series, and I mean that's you know, I don't know for you. Um, Jean twenty and Hilda. About how old do you think Hilda is? Twenty-seven. Twenty-eight. One dollar. Okay. One dollar, Bob. <laughs> so, what's your one dollar, Bob? I want to know what your one dollar is. Twenty-eight was what my initial thought was. Nick is the closest, but still went over. Hilda's <laughs> a very spry twenty-one years old. Because again, if you're in anime, he needs to lay off the smoking and drinking. That poor lady. Oh my god. Listen. Listen, Hilda was very important to a young a young me, and that's all I'm going to say. A lot of young people, I'm sure. It's lo- yeah, um, yeah. losing an eye at seven years. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. I was like, she's got to be like 25, right? It's like, oh, well. We've got, plenty of, that time. Also, We've got plenty of time to get used to her. It's fine. I love how it happens in Melvin action scene, so everyone always just brushes past it, but, like, Rachel Sweet has two working eyes, and then she just pulls the mask off and still <laughs> has the, the blindfold on underneath, the, covering her one eye. Actually, Nick, that's in my notes, uh, to accompany with the rest of the note, I wonder if that has to do with the two working L's in Rachel. Oh, she's got two left eyes. I'm I'm assuming so. I'm I'm fine. I really want there to be like just some kind of like she has two L's, so she has clearly two left eyes, two left feet. And, oh, to be fair, she is missing a left arm. Oh yeah. Who knows what else she's missing? Sadly, the science person in me is trying to figure out how they're moving around in zero g gravity and still being able to push off through flight. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But anyway, so we were at the we're at the shoot down at the shootout at the uh, hay barn. We're at there in space. Yes, because uh, uh, Hilda and Jeez, Jim come that... back with the dropship and they yep. pick them up and they all go to space, pursued and by they pirates. Their super. Oh yes, after the shootout, where of all people, Jim is the shooter because Gene can't do anything but almost throw up constantly mm-hmm. next to yeah, Malfina. He has the space sick, much like the seasick. They get to a point where they can oh, I don't remember the name of their their words for going faster than light. But it's like it's magic poof. Drive. Yes, magic poof. <laughs> because they need to get to blue heaven. Green heaven was busy that day. That's the coolest name for a space station. Shut up. It's. I'm trying to remember. Wasn't there a blue heaven like in Hellwood Beef or something? There's another blue heaven. I I can never remember. Or is it, is am I thinking oh. of like an F Zero track? God, you might be. I mean, it sounds like a. Hold on. I'm gonna... Google, help yeah. me. Uh, Cowboy Bebop has that song called Blue. Oh, there's there's an anime and and a, excuse me not anime just a manga called Blue Heaven, but mm. uh, I'm not seeing any other reference Blue Heaven. All right, maybe it just sounds like something cool. Well, you um, know, internet not perfect. I, I did want to mention uh, by the time uh, they sort of 
jump into sub ether drive using the Munchausen drive. Uh, if we're just going to throw <laughs> all the techno battle in, uh, we they do they have killed one of the pirates pursuing them already. Cat Meat Cleaver. Yeah. Uh, and that's an, another thing that I appreciate about the show. Like when we see these characters at the front, we're like, oh, they're all like got some pretty like unique designs. Uh, they must be like you know pretty characters that are going to stick around for a while and and be like you know recurring characters. Just like no. No, yeah. he's like them. No, no, these are disposables. Wait yeah. till you see the real stick rounds. Yeah, that's... also. <laughs> can we talk about Cat Meat Cleaver's uh, ride? <laughs> yes. Oh, because they they have the magic. like, they have the like putty based Foot Clan <laughs> uh... assassins. Yeah, mook ninjas that are just like, yeah, no, these guys they can they can transform into vehicles and stuff. It's fine. Man, let me tell you, those yoga pla- classes paid off. He Flexible his... AF. Listen, if if I need to be subordinate to a mob boss who can turn me into a flying surfboard at any time he wants, I better be getting like you know, I better be getting dental for a position like that. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, Tao Magic was you know once I got hooked in this as, when I was younger, that was the other selling point. I'm like, oh, well then, mm-hmm. it's like again at, at that age in my life, I'm like I haven't seen anything like this in fiction before except the Force. This is so cool. Yeah, I really love like studying magic systems in different stories and stuff. But my my particular favorite aspect of this one is the fact that they have cast the caster guns, which mm-hmm. like you put a spell in a bullet and that allows non magic users to use that spell. And I just think that's a fucking great idea. Absolutely... I, I do love that. I I will. We are coming back to the caster guns later because I'm going to spoil one detail for Bob later. It's not like. The biggest of spoiler, but it's just one of those logical ends. So we we see everyone poof magic poof uh, back in and go to the blue heaven. And I will admit, I do like the whole approach uh, where her spaceship talks to her and uh, call out to the semi sentient spaceship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Horus? Horus. Horus. The name That's of the so ship weird. and the AI. Yeah. I keep thinking of Horus and Jasper, but neither here nor there. <laughs> Is... and it asks... I, I thought I thought the ship itself had a different name and Horus was just the AI. If it does, they only say nope. it like... D- don't, doesn't the... um In the mechanic that they meet when they get to Blue Heaven, doesn't he refer to the ship by a different name than Horus? I don't believe so. I'm, I'm looking at the wiki right now because I was trying to determine this earlier. It's like, isn't it? It's Horus is the uh, po- uh, enormous. Hold on, sorry. Pop-ups are getting in the way of me reading this now. Thanks. If you want to cut that out, I'll start over. Let's see. Horus is the enormous spaceship belonging to the infamous outlaw, Hot Ice Hilda. It's also the name of the AI. So it's kind of like I like the idea of it's a semi-sentient ship, so therefore it's not just its name, it's its name. Yeah. Okay. But 
the the horse lands after picking, you know, Doc 8, the luckiest of Docs. And we get introduced to a Corbinite? Yep. Yep. Correct. Named a little, Yes. So marble people are a thing, and this one happens to be... <laughs> well, he's like the Volus. He's like the Volus in, in Mass Effect. Like, they can't... They have to wear suits because they can't um, breathe the, the air the same way we do. Because I think they're like... Um, they're like frog-like, aren't they, or something? They're very small, actually. If, in in the next episode, uh, after... Are cut off for this podcast. They actually oh, show you what like. swans will look like. Yeah, yeah. We get we get like an inside view inside his little bubble there, and he's just like, "Oh, you just like hanging out in your your reading pit, your conversation pit of a uh, exosuit." All right, cool. If you remember the original Men in Black, it's kind of like that with a little guy inside the face. Yeah. It's nice that they have this guy who's not. I don't know. In the episodes we watched, he seemed more protagonist, almost. Like a good friend who didn't make the cut to uh, theme song status. <laughs> Bobby's Quark. He's what? He's Quark. He is Quark. <laughs> uh, so they land, he gives them... Or, I don't know. Is there money in this universe? Because he's like, sure, I'll repair it, whatever. There is, oh, that's yeah. right. No, there is. It's, it's Wong. Wong. Yeah. Oh, Wong. Because there's the 150 Wong what's going to be their initial repair or whatever. Which is like, I think that is the smallest amount of Wong that we ever uh, <laughs> hear mentioned in the show. Uh, it comes up a little bit later when we meet someone else who really likes Gene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. Oh, no, I'll wait till episode four. Anyway, uh, they split up yet again because that's really what the Scooby gang seems to like to do. Dean and Hilda go to the bar because Hilda needs to meet up with a contact. And Jim and Malfina go shopping. Yay. And I appreciate Jim because... Yes, he is the 11-year-old kid. But outside of making random jokes here and there, mostly feeling like they're in episode one, really doesn't over-sexualize anyone he's around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can have beats and jumps with him that's not really affecting, I don't know, the taste level of the show. Yeah. Like later on, it's Jim and Malfina who get to the hotel first, find out that there's two rooms and it's set up where Gene... And Hilda would share a room, and Jim and Malfina would share a room. I love Jim. He's he's like my favorite male character in the show, pretty much because he is just like, what if Tails was a little more mature? <laughs> yeah, no, oh, yeah. He's even like yellow and red color coded like Tails. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like like I think mainly he just like. He gets worse when Gene is around, and I'm sure part of that is just like, you know, sometimes you have that friend that you hang out with who brings out, like, the most fun worst in you. But I think it's also because just, like, you know, because they they have, like, a a business relationship as much as they just have, like, a lifestyle relationship. Like, he gets on his nerves. Like, we we see that a lot, um, I think, also in the episode right after the cutoff. Man, there's a lot of good episodes in this show. Like, I can remember stuff that happens in this show all throughout the series but um yeah like there are a lot of scenes of like you know 
we get a little bit uh, in the earlier scene, uh, the morning that Rachel calls, where it's just like, hey, you going to get up and get to that job? And Jim's already up and making breakfast. And it's just like, oh, yeah, you're like the adult of this duo, even though you're not the muscle. It's just like you're the one who's like always got to drag Gene around to get the work done. And that's kind of explained here with the getting to the hospital, or the hospital, the hotel, uh, with him complaining that this isn't an appropriate time for Gene to try to be getting in bed with Hilda. Mm-hmm. Yes, try. There's a cute scene of Jim and Melfina in the bed where this is not thanks to you guys earlier on makes more sense, but Melfina just being like, oh, that is my bed? Yes. Am I sharing a bed with you? And he freaks out. Oh, she's so moe. Oh, do we get to teach him about moe now? Is this oh, a good opportunity? Nick, moe. I will let you teach him about the moe. Oh, moe. no. That sounds Hawaiian. Oh, uh, so. We will say that Melfina can also be quali- quantified as a cinnamon roll. That's kind of... What? So, um... You know, the, the sweet, precious cinnamon roll who's too good for this world, and we must protect at all costs so they can grow up uh, good and strong. You know, cinnamon rolls. Doesn't uh, have a malicious bone in her body. Moe is that, but a bit grosser. Like, Moe, a character is Moe if they are usually, like, a younger, somewhere between, like, innocent and sheltered definitely like inexperienced like the one that i always think of and wide-eyed innocence almost literally because they almost always have large eyes yeah like they are like the it like the innocent little sister kind of character which is bad because that's usually you know one of the ones that you have the option to date is the moe character um but like <laughs> my, my favorite one was in the psp game valkyria chronicles 2 the moe character in that the like red flag that she's moe is she walks up and she's just like oh what's this and she picks up the soccer ball that got kicked accidentally over towards her it's just like you don't know what soccer is okay you're moe you don't know what soccer is just like you know nothing about life and maybe that's because you were raised as a super secret weapon or because you were are an artificial person who was just born out of a box yesterday like you know nothing about the world. You are so sweet and innocent, and I can teach you everything. That's the that's Moe. I, I believe Moe like literally translates to like uh like blue like flower bud like not quite in bloom yet yet to bloom. Mm-hmm. Um, generally it's gross. Uh, but a lot of that comes from like connotation, not specifically from. Uh, definition just like a lot of people want to ha- get to date the moe girl and that's probably bad but moe in itself isn't a problem it's just like cringe inducingly inexperienced oh now i feel bad for jim and her relationship no no they're fine these are, these are sweet cinnamon rolls that deserve to be protected i i, I will say uh again like very quickly uh, Melfina does start like acting like a real person. Like right, right now she is absolutely moe because she was just bored and she doesn't know how a hotel works. But like in like another three episodes, she's just like, "All right, I'm learning how to cook. I got breakfast ready. Come on, boys, stop, stop playing. Come on in and get dinner." And it's just like, "Oh, all right." She's like becoming a person and not like a very easy to fetishize character trope. Okay, that's better. That's better. Yeah. 
this this is not done for fetishization. This is done for you know practicality of the situation. Well, you know somebody's fetishizing it. Somebody's somebody's okay, very it into episode two Melfina <laughs> and not episode twenty six Melfina. The, the creators did not intentionally fetishize her. They cannot control what the audience does. The audience is unfortunately the audience. That's fair. So we skip over to and Hilda. They're at what would appear to be an adult establishment. Uh, which I don't mind. But uh, they're accosted by McCoy, right? Yep. See. And a couple of hooligans seem to have an issue with Hilda because she's pretty cool and they aren't. And they're jealous <laughs> about that. And also because Hilda seems to have a voice that carries. So they overhear her talking about that she wants to go get something, and they're like, well, we want to join in too. And it's at this point we're introduced to what an outlaw is. So there's three different factions. There's the, you know, the government, there's the pirates, and then there's the outlaws. I must confess, I kind of blur the line at outlaw and pirate, but I get where they're coming from because it's more of like a renegade. The pirates are large groups, whereas the outlaws just work for themselves. Yeah, when, when in they... the lore. Oh, god! I, I was gonna say, I think when they say pirate, they mean it more like um, especially because a lot of it they mean specifically like the K pirates. So there's some sort of like probably a lineage from like you know Chinese triads, like more like mafia than like mm-hmm. you know um. They're the organized crime. Yeah, there's they're, all. They're, they're a crime empire, not just a bunch of brigands. There is a whole cold open historical note on that one as well. But yes, it's essentially they are an organization, a criminal organization that has become its own actual power, and kind of in lieu with another government that. I don't, I can't remember if it's explicitly said, but is definitely implicitly stated, originated from, or has uh, ties to historically Chinese criminal sects and corporations. Which, again, is common in Japanese media. True. Mm-hmm. To have China be, you know, the bad guys. In, like, every Yakuza game, uh, you know, the Yakuza series. Uh, there's like one side mission in the middle of the game where you have to be like, oh no, there's this Chinese mafia tie-in we got to go deal with. Um, I do like that, like that melt into so much of the rest of the show. Like so much, of, I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of the like UI elements that we see in the show, and even the fact that the currency is Wong, is just like it seems like China was sort of like the cultural winner during the space well... expansion time. So, um, the asteroid containing the Dragonite, which is what allows spacecraft to travel faster than light, um, the, the original, a- yeah, the mm-hmm. original asteroid crashed specifically in northern China. Oh, right. That's oh, okay. I never knew that specific. Okay, that yeah, yeah. Like, like this is a show where like. I think it is. This is a good example of a show that has a lore bible behind it that is like explains why so many of the little details are the way that they are. 
but also doesn't go out of its way to make sure that everything gets explained to the audience. Like, yeah, pretty much every episode does have uh, exposition on the top of it, but, like, it's kind of, like, very small, and it's enough to understand the world, but it's definitely not, like, exhaustively explaining every little reason inside the universe. It's, it's, but it's cool. Like, that, I think in a lot of shows, that goes a long way to making a show feel like, have that lived in feeling and make everything feel logical, even when it's, you just see stuff in passing. Oh, absolutely. There, there is an episode that is much later on that I, I had, depending on what we discussed for our watch, I was debating on if I wanted to push hard for it. And I'm, I'm looking up the episode specifically right now, but it's, they, they essentially go to a, a location. I'm trying not to spoil too much that leads to some implications of there is something kind of eldritch maybe going on yeah. out there or cosmic level, but it's never explained further. It's never really delved into, but it's so good because it kind of whets the appetite. It's like, I want to know more about this world. Uh, Grave of the Dragon, that's the one. Mm. There's also, um, while we're just on the, on the talk of the universe, like, there is also a later episode where basically, uh, the crew of the Outlaw Star has to team up with this, um, like, private security firm, um, called Angel Links. Uh-huh. And it was basically a backdoor pilot that led to a spin-off series called Angel Links, which is a show about that cast of characters, but it all takes place in the Outlaw Star universe. So it's just, I, I have not seen that. I Perfect. really want to see that, but like it's kind of cool that like we, we had these hints of like the extended Outlaw Star universe. This the Steven Outlaw universe. I'm I'm, I'm making this joke wrong. <laughs> But like, yeah, that it's, it's I, I, but yeah, it, it goes to the point. Like, they were building; they weren't just like writing a show with some weird, like, kind of like middle school cool kind of stuff. When you look at like, oh, what if the spaceships had arms and wrestled? It's like, I, I would have drawn that in my middle school notebook margins. But like, they were they were building a universe here, and they were doing a pretty good job of it. Honestly, listen, I'm gonna say this: this is my most controversial take. I think. The Allah Star is cooler than the Millennium Falcon because it has arms and can punch. And hold guns and axes. <laughs> there, I said it. And you pilot it by being naked. Right. I mean, navigate it, I think. Yeah, you navigate it because there's a pilot and that's just like Okay. Oh, we'll get there when we'll get there when we got there. Okay, we aren't there on. yet. <laughs> hang on, does Chewbacca count as naked? I yes. mean does your does your pet cat count as naked? Yeah. Yes. There's your answer. Okay, okay. So on that, on that tier, the Millennium Falcon and the Outlaw Star are equivalent. Okay, you know what? <laughs> We're uh, learning things uh, today. But on the Falcon, you don't have to get into essentially a giant, I don't know, tank. Yeah. Get in there and connect with the ship. Yeah. And, a, a you know, it removes your bottle. clothes and, yeah, yeah, you're in a, oh my god, it is. You pop the top, she comes out. Um, but also she comes back out with her clothes that she went in with, but mysteriously disappeared. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you couldn't do that on Millennium Fal- Falcon. It already smells like wet dog. You want to make that a million times worse? <laughs> I mean, they did. They gave it porgs. Oh, God. Okay, where were we? 
Anyway, so, so Gene uh, and Hilda leave leave the bar and the McCoys after she the she tases she them. The taser. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> I love that part that she just kicks yeah. butt. And I forgot to mention that the reason why Gene doesn't shoot them is you aren't allowed to shoot. In oh yeah, Blue no Heaven. guns allowed. Kind of puts them out of handicap. Uh, Swanzo does a very good job of explaining why. <laughs> but very quickly, too. Like, like even when there is exposition, it always moves along really quick, which is impressive. Yeah, it's, will... it always makes sense where it's at. I have so much to talk about with this series. Uh, <laughs> which is weird for me. Uh, anyway, uh, Dean and Hilda, I assume retire to the hotel, but we don't really know because we cut from them tasing and leaving to bad guys. Mm. Bum bum. They're sneaking into the hotel. They are upset with Hilda and Jean. They sneak into their room. There's two bodies under the blanket. They shoot! And guess what? They weren't there. Wait, no. Ah! (laughs) Because they're hiding behind the door. And... Judo chopped them to knock them unconscious, which, with a job, I couldn't do that. They'd be like, ow, a breeze hit me. Uh, they're all proud of themselves because they knocked these people out and got an explanation. Who did this? Who put you to this? And it was McCoy? Right? It was the McCoy brothers? McDougal. There's two. Yeah, there's two mechs, and it's very confusing. Yeah. yeah. You would well, do two mechs if not me. Uh, and they're like, oh no, it's the McDougal brothers. And they're concerned for Malfina, so they go out to the hallway, and they run into a sphere tank. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. And continue. More of Dr. Robotnik's evil machinations. Pretty much. Old man Robotnik. I really need to find a way to pull off that mustache. I just gotta find two brooms to glue to the side of my face. <laughs> Hilda that, continues to be awesome. Yes, she is. And how awesome! Like you don't need no man. It's just the way she comes. <laughs> she across. don't need no gun. She's also, just got that taser. As a note, her voice actress in English is um, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who is amazing and who I know primarily actually from Critical Role because she works she works with them a lot. Um, but she's also married to Steve Blum. Um. She was the voice of uh, Julia on Cowboy Bebop, uh, but also most notably uh, Makoto Kusanagi in uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. She's very cool, Mm -hmm. and I like her a lot. Listen, if she shows up, I'm watching it. I'm just saying. Yeah. (laughs) Man, okay, so this is, like, exactly in the Cowboy Bebop era. So it suffers from there's only ever, like, six voice actors (laughs) during a given decade. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same th- yeah, it's the analog I've heard about British actors. There's like thirty people, and they're in everything, yeah, mm-hmm. all the time. I Wait, like oh, okay. the, the scene she pulls when she pulls out her taser, um, and then puts it away again. Like notably, she's wearing like skin tight sports bra and bike shorts. So like, where does it go? <laughs> Okay, except that sports bra. pockets on the inside. That sports bra pisses me off so much. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, uh. on. 
Well, because the shoulder straps are drawn, like, wrinkled and, like, loose, like they're not pulled taut. So it's like, what mm-hmm. what is going on here? But then also okay, it, has, so okay. it has the boob pocket syndrome yes. going on. Right. <laughs> Let me tell you, when I first got my hands way, way long ago on, on the VHSs, I really... <laughs> I was going to say, when you first got your hands, you didn't have hands? <laughs> I really expected that to be part of the censorship way back in the day when I yeah. had the VHS for this, because I'm like, oh, there's no way they just draw it. Like, oh, that's... No, she's uh. very close, so it counts. Yeah. Oh. And and a, a thing that happens later implies, like, oh, is is what led me to believe later in the series. It's like, oh, okay, you, you, you wore your workout clothes to bed? Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, very 80s workout clothes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, Joe, to, to, to satisfy your mind, we, we did ask what parts of Hilda were also missing. She might literally have a back compartment for That's the That's true. Oh, yeah. That's true. I didn't think of that. She's more machine now than woman. <laughs> then I, that severs my question of whether her and Jean hooked up or not. Okay, so in the anime, they specifically um, leave it ambiguous. In the manga, it's they they did. <laughs> okay, uh, that's the show details. <laughs> According to the show details, the flashback that Jean has that I was kind of ambiguously referring to later on uh, at the end of the series that was a that wasn't like a thing in his head. That was actually a conversation they had. So he uh. did. They they did have sex together, which is why I was like, "So you work put on your gym clothes afterwards." That's a which choice I you made because you can tell that they didn't change their relationship. It was just a thing that they did. Yeah, it was definitely something on the job. I, I mean, I will say, like, even though it only spans these four episodes, like the tenor of their of the relationship between you know the four of them all together i guess except for gene and jim but like if you count gene and jim as one then like the relationship between everybody really does like evolve pretty quickly and in like a kind of realistic <laughs> way like you kind of see trust go as they all kind of realize like oh we're getting deeper and deeper into this we just got to we just got to go all in with these folks we're a crew now uh-oh I'm genuinely curious about the alternate reality where Hilda didn't die in the series oh! and then came on. I, was, I, I want to see what that relationship would have de- evolved into. I'm just curious. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yes. Spoilers, Bob. Okay, so episode two ends with this, 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 uh, probably some sort of like worker drone equipment ball thing with arms coming through the window at them. Yeah, some some sort of how rude. Manipulator. Yeah, is going to be paying for a lot. <laughs> and then we, we get to we, episode three, and it picks up right where it left off, which makes sense. With and Gene and paintball bullets that you can just load into a regular <laughs> twenty-two caliber revolver that he yeah, didn't realize had with him. I, I guess he just keeps bullets for every occasion in on himself. Well, I mean, uh, you know, with the casters, they're used to to buying specialty ammo. It's like Kilda it's says, he's a real tricky guy. Yeah, he definitely seems like he just kind of he's kind of a 
not like a pack rat, but like he'll just kind of pick up whatever he can get his hands on and turn and then just use what he has. That's why he keeps Jim around because he carries a bag of tricks. Like when <laughs> we 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 sort of skip through it uh, in episode one, but when they're going to the barn where Melfina is and they're having the fight out the back of the car, and yeah. he's just like, "All right, I'll just shoot you with this revolver." Oh, that didn't work. Let me just shoot you with this over-the-shoulder rocket launcher. Like, all right, just got that out of nowhere. I was gonna come back to this. Like, yes, gun or er, car has armory. Uh huh. I want that car. It's so good. It's like a hover car, yeah. but also a reverse trike. It's almost got like some. It's a uh, space hot rod. It's got like some. Uh uh oh, the Prowler. Hey, remember the Prowler? Yes. It's got kind of like future Prowler vibes with one single back seat. I love that. Yes, I. That is a car you are not meant to drive. That's a car you're meant to be driven in. I guess. Yeah. It's a it's a one child family kind of sedan. I want it. Anyway, were we episode three? Oh, yes. So Gene shoots his paintball gun, blocks out the whatever port that you know the circle can see through, and he's all proud of himself for stopping Orb Man. And Orb Man pops out to yell at him. Silva has to show off once again how cool she is. I love it. Sneaking that- over there, knocking him out. He pops his head out of the top, and his head is the only part that fits through that little hole at the top. Uh-huh. I, I love like, that kind of engineering. Yeah, like, he goes to get out, and he's like, oh, wait, this is not going to work. And he, like, goes back in and then out the back. Like, that tells me this is definitely, it's like, something used for, like, construction or heavy yeah. lifting. And it's meant to have that, so you can pop up, hey, I said, what do you need over there? Okay, and then you're meant to actually get out of it when you need to get out. Yeah, like, that lived-in feeling, like, everything has a... Uh, I... I think we already passed it, but like this is uh right when when they first landed at Blue Heaven, uh, I was just thinking about like there is a point in this show where like there is no music playing, there is no dialogue. We are just watching the ship like come up to the dock and get gripped by the arms, and like <clears throat> part of this goes to what I was saying about like the show having you know a, a lore bible behind it, but like there's there is a lot of time just spent just like watching the routine of all of the you know cool stylized technology like there is so much discussion across this series about the cost of ammunition (laughs) oh wow yeah much later on but yes oh my god yeah uh and like it's it's cool because like they like to do the stuff with techno babble, but most of the time they are just talking about it in very relatable terms. Just like, hey man, you know we got to spend so much money on like you know repairs and parts, and you scrap this thing in the last fight, so that's another five hundred wong, and just like, like. And they definitely set that up in that first episode when it was showing uh, Gene and Jim in their shop and like how they each kind of approach that business. Yes. And, like, Jim is definitely the one keeping track of all the numbers. Jim knows what the numbers are. Gene just knows he has a week until he can't go drinking anymore. What do the numbers mean, Jim? The numbers! (laughs) You gotta put the numbers into the computer. And if they go red, you're in trouble. If they stay black, you're okay. (laughs) Which part were we at? We were just wrapping up the, he got out of the bubble. Boulder fight, where Hilda knocks him out, and they're like, okay, 
Time to move on. Hilda is going to take them to the next location of the next piece of something that they need without really saying what it is. And she does that a lot with how she speaks to Jean mm. as far as not giving full answers, which she calls her out every single time that happens. They go to the port and say good, or yeah, back eight. Say goodbye to a uh, little pill bug man who you said is a frog. Swanzo. Yeah. They get on the ship, and they head out. And after heading out, all of a sudden, they're being followed by mm, old man Robotnik and his little daughter? Uh, well, we're we're a little ahead. Okay. Creepy. We don't really see. We, we, just, we just know that they're being followed by the pirates. Right. Well, They're dodging and weaving. Like, first they're being followed by the same dorks who attacked them in the middle of the night. But now... Yeah, McCoys don't learn. Now they have these little... I love the one-arm grappler ships. It just looks so yeah. juicy. Um, but, like, yeah. And then, then the pirates show up and are like, Hey, you shouldn't mess with us. And then we run into the Kataro Kataro uh, Empire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. me how... Cat Cyclops got cloned a million times and just speak with the same voice. <laughs> oh, I, clearly that's some like tech visor with a mono sensor at the front. I don't know. Nope, nope, nope. Go that with. is Cat Cyclops right there. James Marsden himself. <laughs> Cat Cyclops. And said, this is the oh, Cat Himbo oh, people. Wearing, fly, fly. wearing the pink spandex like they're ready to fight in the Gundam oh. tournament. Oh my god. <laughs> at least they at least they all agree all the time if you are wearing that outfit. You've got the pilot text it's the uniform who, who will argue. And so I just pulled up the wiki myself to remember that's the Katara Katara. And <laughs> you're going to judge me a lot. I thought when they first introduced her, and it's uh-huh. okay to judge me, I thought her name was Asian Clan Clan. Mm. Yep. I was like, why are we calling out a particular uh subsect of humanity, but no, it's Asia clan clan. And she is, I feel like I will get some slack for this. Mm -hmm. She's annoying. (laughs) Yes, that is the character type. mm -hmm. This is a a character type that will pop up in anime a lot, is you have the, the annoying one. The character, the, the whole screechy voice and the demandingness. Yeah. Yes. E- exactly that. Like the amount of people, like when this character pops up, and then somebody comes to me and says, "You know, I had to stop watching the dub because I just couldn't handle her voice." <laughs> um, it reminds me of Bulma. Would that be a propos? Propos. I I mean, in some respects, I, I, I for the attitude. Early I, on. I, early I, on. Yeah. The the kind of. The Hime, the princess, in a sense. She's a real Excel saga, if you know what I'm saying. Wow! Yes. You're not wrong. Excel saga. That, that's, that's a larger size than the large saga. Uh-huh, right. So I was watching these in, in, the, in Japanese, um, okay. and I just really loved how, since she's a cat person... Um, instead of saying nani for what, she says nyani, because nya is the sound cats make in Japan. Mm-hmm. 
and it's amazing, and I'm I love so it. Happy about that. <laughs> so the horse is flying straight at her very giant ship. It's got a waterfall in it. The orchid that they are not going to move the Kali or Kataro Kataro need to move. Kataro. Yeah, and these symbols. And I don't think Aisha would have given up, but the pilots were like, through this homegirl. (laughs) To your point. (laughs) To your point, Bob. My notes actually say, Hilda plays space chicken with Aisha Clan. No, no, no. I gotta, hang on. I gotta go to Photoshop. I gotta make Aisha Clan Clan real quick. (laughs) to Photoshop on. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. Hilda plays, Hilda plays Space Chicken with Aisha. And. Well, it's spelled Aisha. Is it Aisha? Aisha. Nope, she's Aisha. And she's going to do what she wants. She don't care what anyone else says. Aisha isn't going to move, but her drivers are like already moving. Which kind of leads to that she's not a very good boss, she's just a loud boss. Yeah. They will later go on to ins- essentially say nepotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a whole Bo Billingsley intro about it, about how she got her position. And the horse is able to get by and get out of the asteroid and magic poof, that's where they need to go. However, the pirates aren't so lucky. They're like, mm, maybe not when it comes to the Katal Katal because they're a warrior race. I don't even believe because they have a bunch of weird people that just say the same thing over and over. No, they'll fuck you up. They, yeah. I'll um, say die, 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 die or something. (laughs) All in one. Like I said, space symbols. Shoot, 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 shoot. You aren't supposed to shoot in here. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Oh my goodness. They're just they're they're all big arena sports fans. They always get into the crowd chance. As demonstrated later, I they're also the big into MMA. Mm-hmm. Yeah! Oh, man, what a... <laughs> I Bob, just finished rewatching me... this show. I might have to do it again. There's Bob, some would you like me to... I'm going to make your day. You've heard uh, Aisha Clan Clan's voice actress before. Sure. In the X-Men from 92. Ooh. She she also voiced Rogue. What? Oh wow! Go back and listen to the effort noises, like when she screams. But, she but I also have it here in front a, of me. This nervous as a cat on. with a long tail in a room full of rocking chairs. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> anyway, uh, Aisha kind of gets demoted. Of course, uh, huh? That's how it's spelt. No, I'm loving it. Go ahead. Uh, She gets demoted because she did a lot of no-nos, and no one on the ship is really backing her up, as far as I can see at this point. (laughs) She's forced to stay on uh, Blue Heaven, which is weird. I thought that was supposed to be the outlaw location, but really, anyone can go there. It's a free town. Free port. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they're gonna leave her there to uh, 
for information gathering. To think about her life choices. <laughs> like, just keep look for information about the galactic ley line, whatever that is. Don't worry about it yet. Which is true. We don't. It's not even a good explanation when they try to explain it in the next episode. It's the the way they explain it for like six sevenths of this show is like basically the way I've always understood the One Piece and One Piece. It's just like, yeah, it turns out there's a giant treasure out there that like every pirate in the galaxy is looking for, and we're gonna get it first. We don't know what it is. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know how to get it, but we're gonna. Uh huh. That yeah, that yeah, that's honestly like this is another one of those ones where like the main like the main MacGuffin of the show stays unexplained for so long, but like at least all of the stuff happening in the meantime really doesn't care about what it is either. We're just like watching some fun like uh it's just like every time the story of the week ends, it's just like, okay, and now we go back to looking for the thing. Yep, all right, moving on. Just like Gene and Jim at the end of the show, you know, hitchhiking along the road as the theme from the old Hulk show plays. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, it's, it's the Holy Grail. Is it a cup? Is it something more? We don't know. Mm-hmm. But we know we're going on a crusade, and we're going to get it. Going to get it before anyone else gets it, because those guys pissed us off, and so we're going to piss them off by getting the thing first. Uh-huh. So it's a whole yeah. uh, spite-based economy out in space. In reality, that was the end of the episode, though. Is yeah. that magical poof gone? That girl demoted. Yeah. Uh. Well. Uh. No, because uh, Horace arrives at the rendezvous point that Hilda was supposed to meet her contacts at. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. And they're not doing good. They yeah. killed the leprechaun. <laughs> they killed the leprechaun. <laughs> I would have felt worse for, except I had no emotional investment. <laughs> I know you just kind of get the like, uh, oh no, sympathy. It's like, oh no, my friend's friends got killed, so my friend is upset. So I feel bad about that part. There, it's a there. Of, huh? This might be a red flag. Continue ahead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also want to say because we will come to it in the next episode, but essentially, Hilda. So, they're very ambiguous as to how, but it clearly didn't turn on what we're going to see in the next episode, but got it into an asteroid in the yeah. orbit of a sun. And I don't care how she did it, but again, she's so cool. <laughs> Speaking I of. Love it. Yeah, so they're flying on the debris. They find uh, the pirates have blown up the ships. Mm. So there's like a bit of a fight with the pirates. But they escape. That's what they do. Well, they think they escape, yeah. but they've been Yeah, that's right. The yes. pirates tag Evil them. old man Robotnik did his spell of, I know where you're going. Those damn kids in their magic uh, Krylon. Yeah. Did it in outer space with his helmet and everything. Yeah. The yeah. way they cast spells uh, is a little loud. Can I just... His... his... <laughs> oh, wait, no. I think it's more in the next episode. Never mind. Oh, excuse me. So we switch on to episode four. Episode four. Where where the ship is heading to the 
desert planet area with lots of, well, what's it, resources. That's also where we find out the ship is that Hilda wants. Yeah. This ship is a super amazing ship. It's a ship with the brains of the pirates and the bronze of the military. Yeah. It's literally, hey, uh, the... The U.S. government made a warship. Yeah, who 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 built it? The mafia, mm-hmm. huh? Interesting. Well, I, actually, I think it's technically the other way. It's just like, hey, the mafia designed Boy. this cool spaceship, and you managed to use the like money and like resources. The money of came from yeah. the cops to build it. Yeah, I, I guess yeah, it, it, that is the more accurate. But it's just kind of like that moment of if you hear something like that, it's like that's not the way I expected that sentence to end. Uh huh. And I love it. I love the, the, the oh yeah, gov- what do you mean governments are influenced by anonymous donations from maybe less than savory characters? What? Uh-huh. But, but it also just goes to show that when they said that, you know, there are three forces in space, ah, maybe there's actually only two forces in space, the cops <clears throat> and the mob working together, and then everyone else. <laughs> What? No. Life parody art? No. Ah, you know. That would that would mean art parody life, and that, that just can't be. No, don't worry oh. about it. Life imitates art, not the other way around. Yeah. That 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 makes sense. <laughs> okay. Horus is able to land I flying into the sun, which, you know, Gene complains about because it's getting hot. Uh, and they get into the asteroid and they see this ship. Oh no, they leave the Horus on the little Horus, because that's its baby, and flies into the asteroid. And they see this ship that everyone just give eyes to. And I'm like, yes, it's like the fifth ship that I've seen. They're all different. Mm hmm. They get in there, and the AI talks to them there. Something different than Horus. A little more, yeah, a little more talkative, a little more knowledgeable. And I do appreciate that Gilliam explains that he is not sentient, because they removed the ability for him to be sentient out of his programming. Yeah, they were just like, uh, that would cause some, like, divide by zero errors, so we're just gonna, don't... (laughs) Yep, get rid of that altogether. Thanks to Hilda, who... Changes his programming to accept them as his crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Horace alerts Hilda, hey, just so you know, the pirates found us. Not sure why. And Hilda's like, hey, you guys got this thing ready for takeoff. Don't worry, Melfina's got it covered. I'm going to go out there and keep them distracted. You need to get out. Jim and Jean are like, what? Melfina doesn't say anything, which is a little disturbing. She could be like, yeah. You know, just put me in soup and I'm good. <laughs> and so Hilda goes out there to keep them busy. While Jim takes the pilot seat. Oh, Jim takes a side seat and is told not to touch anything while Jean takes the pilot seat. And Hilda goes into a, what looks oddly like a submarine port just appeared in the floor. Mm-hmm. Climbs in and suddenly the thing poofs up. And like, as mentioned, her clothes are no longer there. Not sure where she stored them. 
I bet you they're just in the bottom of the tank, but because it's covered down there, you can't see them. So, I'm going to throw this out here. Uh, Bubble clothes? No, a little bit of a stretch. No, there's there's a thing later where we get into, like, um, she is, like, Bluetooth connected to the ship while she's in there. (laughs) And there is a couple of moments of, like, some, like, VR presence stuff where we see people like looking like they're Tron, like, you know, all one color and uh, they have different clothes or no clothes or like butterfly wings or whatever. So I would almost be tempted to say that we're not actually looking at naked her. We're looking at some sort of like hologram version of her VR presence being like displayed in in the goo. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think well, there's you know, anything backing that up, but that's the only way I can explain that she comes out with dry clothes. Okay? I'm Give me a break here. See, I'm just glad to see the Space Forces had their priorities, making that the visual representation. Mm-hmm. There's a whole to-do. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Spoilers. Don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. There's a whole to-do of them getting the ship ready while Hilda's just out there shooting and shooting and trying to keep the space pirates away until... McDougal brothers show up. McDougal. They're like McDouchebags. <laughs> and, and they're like, you Falling know what? dead and serving more. They were working with the pirates. Now they took a new contract which says you need to get rid of the thing that the pirates want. So they pull out a rocket the same size as their ship, asking many questions, but neither <laughs> here nor there. Uh-huh. Shoots the rocket at the asteroid, which... Blows it up pretty well. Uh, Hilda's understandably concerned. I mean, if I had a thermonuclear missile coming at me, I would be too. Because it it puts the asteroid in the sun's uh, gravity well. Slowly bringing it closer, and Hilda's slowly being pulled in with Horus. And And the pirate man Robotnik Uh and his daughter in there, which kind of cool uh, detached piece. With the grappling cans, it's also being pulled in. And everyone wants this ship to be okay. And they're like, we gotta save it. And then it comes blasting out of the side of the asteroid in really cool fashion. Punches its way out. Because, you know, it's got arms for punching. There are long grappling arms. When you see it compared to uh, Old Man Robotnik's. Yeah. It's like it's like he has big hands and small arms. Whereas the uh ship has long arms and little hands that somehow break the other one's arms and simultaneously kills old man Robotnik leading to what you had mentioned previously. Don't get too connected to people. Yeah. I love it because like they it's because they are in the like hand because the, their plan is they're going to grab the ship and then like bust through in the palm of the ship hand in order to breach the hole and instead it just gets locked by the other hand and it just sort of like handshake grip crushes it and it's just like I was standing in that hand and now I'm dead <laughs> oh it's just ship weird is, the ship is able to escape the gravity well of the sun percentages, you know, 84% cleared, 85% cleared. 
point, they realize that they're struggling to save Hilda at the same time. They're going to grab her in the small ship, uh, Baby Horse, the hands. That's when uh, Old Man Robotnik's daughter grapples them and keeps her out of the way. Oh, poor Hilda is like, the only chance I have is like this one in a million shot, which she nails, grappling to the grappling, and leaves Horace, which made me really sad. I don't know why, but I was touched by that. Yeah. The horse didn't, horse didn't care. Horace goes out like a champ. Horace is just like, like, okay. Horace understands the score. Seven's in the chat for Horace. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Horace. Best boy ship. And so landing this shot, she gets onto the grappling and uh, her daughter, or old man Robotnik's daughter, just some elephant. Just some other high-ranking pirate. She's the boss of them all, actually. It's like, the ones we've seen so far. She's all you can't have this. I will destroy it. So no one, and she starts casting like a bubble from Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And Hilda's like, uh-uh, ain't gonna happen. She says, I think she says goodbye. Yeah. Not really goodbye, but just her swan song. It's down on an explosion in her, or explosive in her mouth. And her and the lady blow up. God, she really said, hey, I might, I might be screwed right now. But I'm gonna make sure you're screwed worse. Kaboom! She's so damn cool. She's so cool. Well, she was cool. Because at that point, I realized she's not the samurai in the intro. Uh (laughs) It made the show more real. It's one thing to kill off what looks like really important villains. To kill off really important heroes or anti-heroes. Your person who knows the score and what's really going on. Your only real source of information. Oh, by the way, dead. Well, she was our Obi-Wan, so I think we're allowed to lose her. No. (laughs) No, I'm I'm just saying we should get, like, seven prequels and also an HBO miniseries about Hot Eyes Hilda. Sorry, Pedro Pascal, I guess. (laughs) Oh, yes. Pedro Pascal as the bug in the orb. <laughs> At the end okay. of the episode, Gene uh, is like, Hey, Gilliam, I'm ready to name the ship because the ship still hadn't had a name. And Gilliam's already, and I'm sitting there in anticipation, oh, it's going to be named after Hilda. Not even thinking, because that's just the type person I am. <laughs> They're like, name it Outlaw Star. I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> said I'm the thing. So... Oh, not Hilda's remembrance. I mean, it's still... Hilda's sacrifice. I'm pretty sure it's still, like, in for Hilda. Yeah. Okay, it's... so I, I have a theory. Uh-huh. Again, ca- calling back to the night that is inevitably referenced that those two spent together, I am assuming, because she started to name the ship earlier, and then pirates happened... I'm assuming she was going to name it that, and she had probably at some point told Gene that. Just because to come up with, I mean, arguably anime, but 
and for that matter, fiction in general, to just kind of come up with a name on the spot. I narratively believe that like this is something they discussed already, and this was just kind of honoring that whatever was mentioned to him. I have nothing to go on that actually supports that. I just choose to believe that. Mm. No, I mean that makes a certain amount of sense to me. Um, I, 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 I think I always just got to read that, like, uh, you know, because Gene had you know space PTSD or whatever, and like the the mm-hmm. episode one opens with him just like standing on a cliffside watching a ship go off in the middle of the night. And like, I, I was that emo kid in, you know, grade school. I would just stand out there and look at the moon and think of really cool names for things. Just hoping one day I might actually do something and be able to use one of those names. Like I, I I could kind of believe that Gene would come up with something cool like that. But like, yeah, honestly, the idea of like, um, if the, if there is way more to that scene with uh, Hilda in the hotel, then and like you know, they were definitely all getting closer to each other. So she like you know, um, uh, revealed her her plans to him and and some of her like if that's a reflection of her um like v- vibes I don't know the, ideals maybe it's just like oh yeah Alistair oh, that is. Like we, the audience, don't necessarily get it, but that is a very like Hilda thing to name it. I could, I could totally buy that too. Yeah, I. She's so cool. She was so cool. (laughs) My upon reflection thoughts. Yeah, yeah, because that's the show. What's up? Where are we at? We got it. We got a lot of uh, finishing thoughts to do on this, huh? Yes. Wait, I Uh, have one more note about this episode. Okay. Because it's a personal pet peeve of mine. Oh. The old man's spacesuit, he has the bubble helmet, and he has nothing on his yes. body, so his uh-huh. hands are just, like, out in space, and I was like, what is this doing? Magic. Space magic. He's got magic. <laughs> they have space magic. Assume space magic is happening. You, you can't do the somatic element of your spell <laughs> if you have astronaut gloves on. Listen, why do you think NASA just has like... never sent any wizards up into space? <laughs> Except to me. The logic is right you're there. An, you're an astronaut, Neil. <laughs> he got the other letter. He got a letter delivered by a drone. <laughs> okay, final thoughts? My final thoughts on this show is, and this is a controversial take, uh, I didn't really care for when they would slow down to show in like the details of things hmm. which I know you did like Nick for me it it felt jarring like we would have exposition and then stop and then exposition then stop for me my favorite episode of the group was episode where there was a lot more action and episode four, when there was action, but even then, when they stopped to stare at this new ship, I, I get that it was Og, but I don't know. Yeah, like, th- there's something about, like, the general pace of the show where it is very 
fast moving and it doesn't linger on really anything. So there are these moments where like when it is trying to, when it is trying to do a scene that is just like, Oh, we're taking this all in right now. It does kind of just seem jarring because it is so different than anything else the show ever does. Um, On the flip side, I can appreciate what they're going for though. They are saying that this is the universe. This is things work for a reason. I joke about the magical poof, but they explain at the beginning of one episode the entire drive that explains the magical poof. This is like a very well thought out area. Yeah. I may not be one for the full stop, but I understand why it's there. You know, to that point, and it was kind of referenced earlier a little bit, I really think this was someone's like high school concept. And what they did, instead of trying to, like, overthink it and over-justify a lot of things, they just said, how can we just smooth off a few edges? And how do we have a story? Because, and, and that's not an insult by any means. I'm not trying to mean the storytelling. It just feels like someone had this great idea when they were younger, and then they said, okay, I want to do something with this, is I guess what I'm really trying to put it as. And I... Th- I think that's what makes it good because it has just enough thought on what mattered to the creator without having to say, let's, let's justify everything. Yeah, it, it is. This is, this is the result when you have a good editor on a script, yes. right? Because like, yeah, the, the, like that lore Bible is there. There is somebody who didn't just have like an okay idea, but definitely had like a lot of idea but then had somebody else come along and go like, all right, let's just, you know, pare this down until it is like just the coolest ideas and just what is needed to support them and not extra stuff that's going to slow us down, not extra stuff that is going to divert from the best parts of it. Like, like it, this is the kind of show where you look at it and it's like, there's nothing really extra. Um, like, okay, some of those slow parts are a little dry. And it, I, I don't know if I would even say that I like those, but, it, like, I appreciate that those are in there. Like, it is part of, you know, making the world feel, like, believable, even for being this super stylized sci-fi show that has both space tech and magic, and yet it feels very believable. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, it is, uh, you know, it just says, it just does what it needs to to tell the story and get the points across that I want to tell. Like, there's not a version of this that it's better by cutting stuff out of it. That's already been done, and it is just, like, fantastic as is. They've already done that work to make it better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... No, no. Uh, uh, I don't recall if it was pre- pre-recording or not, but there was a conversation had about or episode three's cherry conversation yeah yeah so joe was that in the like sub um i think that was the one episode i watched in english i i like to watch like at least one in the other language just to kind of compare the, the voice tones and stuff uh it's it it I think so because that conversation was there in in what I watched but I don't remember okay 
Well, just because like I I do. I'm wonder... trying to check real quick, but it's making me log in again. God damn it. Uh huh. I, I I do wonder <laughs> if that was an attempt of like adding some attitude by localization teams, or I wonder if that is like a, a pretty direct translation of Gene's you know sex pestiness. Like like I I think there's a little bit of an argument that like the censored version that we originally all saw on Toonami because it cut out some of those like grosser like gene you know being a sex pest because it centered out a lot of those things like i feel like he was a much more like wholesome character originally um because he still had like the interesting flaws but he wasn't just like gross sometimes i, I i'm sorry i'm kind of taking this where, is this like where you were kind of gonna go bringing this up or or a little bit. It's just the whole. I don't know. It was a repeated joke that felt just kind of eye rolling by the end, except for uh, Alfina's uh, statement of, "I'm sorry, you can't perform." Yeah, like th- there's almost the nod in there of just like, no, no, no. The show is saying this, and all of the characters are like also upset that these things are being said, and then she's uh-huh. kind of there to break that tension. But it's like. Yes. It's a mad hazard problem. It's just like, oh, if you want to point out how gross this is, you're kind of also doing it in the process of it. You could have just not done it. But it's a it's a it's an adult joke, I guess, as far as kids wouldn't get the reference of, oh, you're going to pop your space cherry. Blah. And yeah, it's a terminology even I don't find. And for that to have been referenced like four or five times in yeah. that whole they keep yeah. bringing it back. It could, been, it could have been a one and done, but Jim keeps referencing it. It, it was so they brought that joke back in the next time on for one of the episodes. <laughs> so he, hear me out, except for the next time bit. The, could could this have been? Because if you think about it, children, once they get once they get something, they can rag on someone about. They kind of like to hang on to it. Mm. Is that? I, I'm not justifying it, but I, I just my mind wonders. Is that them showing for as mature as Jim is, he's still a 12-year-old child, or or 11-year-old child, however old he was supposed to be? I think that's definitely part of it, because, you know, uh, Jim, you know, like like I was saying before, like, Jim is at his worst around Gene, because, like, Gene frustrates him the most, and so he's always trying to get his harshest digs in on Gene. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, you could have gotten that across with a different joke. <laughs> I don't disagree. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not justifying it, but anyway, I just wonder if that might have been their attempt. But even then, it's like, God. Yeah. You know, the first time, okay. Second time, uh, third. I mean, after the third, it's like. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they wanted to use that specific joke. I think that joke, the that is an unfortunate joke they used for that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then finally for me, uh, just to kind of touch on it, is the uh, good thing that the show did is the beautiful horribleness that Hilda had to die. Yeah. It makes the show real. She could have space magic her way, like she was secretly a wizard all along and appeared in there. Or she could have hung onto the rope or anything, but no. Noble sacrifice for a character that you did get connected to. 
and she didn't cry. She didn't wax, you know, pathetic. She's just like, no, I'm going to face this like everything else. What? Punching someone in the face harder. Yeah, and, and like, thematically it ends up being a thing because, like, you know, the on the one hand, the show is about this, like, you know, it's like, oh, it's the race for the treasure. Oh, big adventure. But, like, it's actually, you know, a show that when it remembers to, to be you know, about high themes. It is kind of about like, Hey, what are your, you know, that's why I think, you know, when the, the cold open that starts with the boy has a right to dream, like it, it they, when Toonami was doing, you know, bumpers and promos and stuff, they love to lean on that and made it kind of, you know, iconic of the show and that Toonami, mm-hmm. but also like that theme of just like, what are your dreams? What is it that motivates you? What are you striving for? And what cost to your life are you willing to pay to get there and like i think it it, you know losing hilda like that and like the attitude with which she goes out and her message to gene at the end is just like all leaning into that and and that's kind of what the show is about it's just like what are you going for and what lengths will you go to and and i think that's kind of like a mature approach to that theme you know for like a kid's show i guess it's it's not the it's not I heard someone refer, refer to this once when I was discussing this years ago it was her talking about him being a man I'm like no it's her telling him I don't care what you believe just that you believe it yeah and I love that yes yeah, it's, it's like find something that matters to you and just pursue it with your heart and I love that like is this actually a good lead into if we want to do like a breakdown on what makes Gene an interesting character we can. Oh yeah. I, I want to just sneak in real quick. The colors in space. My God. Yeah. Just all the the colors in the show in general are just perfect and work in ways that you don't see in a lot of other shows, especially even of the era. And it's just beautiful. But yes, it, Gene, Gene is interesting because Gene is Wait, interesting because. Hey, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, to address the earlier point, I just double checked. The cherry lines are in both the sub and the dub. Really? Thank you. Yeah. I'm okay. not terribly surprised, if I'm honest. All right. I, in a weird way, that makes me feel better at it, because that's not somebody who's just, like, offhanded throwing it in. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like, all right, so there there was at least, like, I may not agree with it, but I guess there was, like, it it, it is a holdover of original intent, at least. At, yeah, yeah. This part was in there. Why? Because it was always there. Yeah. Okay, that's th- thank you for double checking that. Yes, thank you. Uh, Gene, Gene Jellybean. Uh, I like Gene because he is not the fastest, as shown by with Hilda. Mm-hmm. He's not the smartest, as seen by with Jim. Every time he gets on a spaceship, till the last episode when he was pretty much forced into the shooter spot. He sat in the pukey spot the entire time. Mm-hmm. He's a protagonist who is not known for having a lot of strengths. I'm assuming that changes over time, but to see this introduction of someone who doesn't start off on top and doesn't have an episode showing how great he is. Yeah, I mean... Outside of being able to a, shoot magic bullets. It's a spaceship show aimed mm-hmm. at uh, young adult men, and the main male character is not instantly the oh i'm the best pilot in the universe or whatever like he's normal 
I mean, yeah. ready for my second hot take that's going to get me banned from anime in general, or banned from something, not from anime. He's a more believable Luke Skywalker. Okay. Huh. Think about it. Yeah, both both have dreams of being somewhere else for whatever reason. They're not, you know, insert insert actual reasons, but. Then, then they are thrust into a situation that forces them to literally go to space. Luke handles it. Oh, I'm, I'm here and this is so exciting. And sure, yes, it's very exciting, but has Luke ever been off planet before? <clears throat> and, and so the believable of this, of someone who grew up and <clears throat> didn't exactly have what appeared to be a supportive upbringing, you know, losing a dad does that to you when you knew them. Um, and it, his life had a real hard start going into early adulthood and so he's kind of burdened with the baggage that has come with that and struggle i'm sure struggling to get by in life from there to forward so he's not the happiest person when you cut down to it i mean that scene in we'll assume a hotel maybe brothel we don't know he paid for it um (laughs) and and, and while she's trying to cozy up to him and clearly a frequent customer, so she at least appears that she has some interest in him passingly, uh, he's, he's clearly not all really there. His heart's not in it. it it's mm-hmm. certainly an escape for him, but once he's gone through the emotions, it's like, I'm still here. So when he's, when he gets out there, it's like, okay, I guess I've got to start living and I got to commit to the bit. Well, yeah, you you were saying like you know comparing to Luke, the idea of like dreams of being elsewhere, and like I think that's actually kind of the thing, right? Is like when we see when we see Gene in the beginning of this show, like you know our our, our first you know real introduction to him is the bar scene where Death Rob comes in looking for him, and it's just like okay, he's a known. We know that he won this last fight that kind of surprised people that he was able to take out this tough guy. He is a regular. He's, his name is known. Like, so like he's not nobody. Um, but also like the, the thing about him is like, I don't know if I would, you know, at the beginning of the show, like, I don't think I, I to me, Gene is defined as, it's it's the conversation that you know Hilda has with him, right? It's like, are you just going to keep running away? Because he is, you know, he's got like some PTSD going on. Like he lost his de- his supportive father. Like, oh, the picture of him on the carousel. Like he was close with his dad. He le- they had a really good relationship, and then that was ripped away from him in space by pirates very violently. You know, f- for something like that, five years is still pretty recent for something that upturned your whole damn life. <laughs> um, and like. He is, like, he is someone who, like, is competent, but I don't think he, like, has any dreams that he's looking to pursue because really all he is spending his time doing is, like, drowning out his his fear and, you know, poorly Lost. processing trauma, right? Yeah. And, and that's, like, because that's the thing, like, he, he, you know, you see him working with Jim. He is competent, but, like he doesn't necessarily have drive. He thinks highly of himself, but like he's sleeping in, he's just going out to, to bars and brothels and just like that. He's barely treading water. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, he's living kind of a slacker lifestyle for somebody who is honestly like, you know, shows competency in, in a real way. Um, 
And I think that's so interesting. And like, the, so like, just, just to give it away, like, I, cause I think it's like the next episode anyway, is they're just like, Hey, how come you're not throwing up when you're piloting the outlaw star? It's just like, I don't know. I feel better in this ship. I don't get that effect. And like, all right, whatever. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of like, reasons you could come up with for that either through like technical or thematic or whatever but like this idea that like gene continues to be a character who is like even though he like he has a talk with hilda and he is like forced into space and is sort of forced to stop running away like he continues to be a character who has like internal conflicts that are, are sort of his second biggest challenge is uh, when his biggest challenges are, you know, ex- top tier wizard pirates who are throwing dragons at him. Those are still his biggest challenges. Second biggest uh-huh. is dealing with his internal demons. First is magical external dragon demons. He has to live long enough to deal with his baggage. Yeah, and and like like there's a thing about that too, right? Like an adventuring lifestyle for him is almost a form of self medication against his trauma. Like, because like uh, again, like maybe. This doesn't really count as um, spoilers, but, like, once he recognizes the McDougal brothers' ship in that fourth episode, like, even though, yes, they're chasing after the ley line, he's kind of just, like, doing that, going through the motions. Gene spends a lot of the rest of the series just trying to track down the McDougal brothers to be like, why did you blow up my dad? That is most of Gene's motivation in this show, and, like... The the fact that like that is not the galaxy wide MacGuffin that is a very personal stakes for him, and that's like his focus. Even though as a crew they're supposedly after the ley line, like it's interesting. They are not straightforward motivations for a show like this. Yeah, it, it's it's so good it, in in its own way. It's you get to watch a man learn to heal himself. Hmm. It's it's almost like watching the alcoholic or the addict starting to overcome by by force of circumstance. Yeah. And also, hey, now he's got a found family of people who are, you mm-hmm. know, supporting and looking out for each other. He's got like three plus one moms. It's yeah. great. <laughs> Yo, he's got three plus one well, he's got two big sisters. Uh-huh. He would have had three, but well, We'll call Hilda a sister. Uh, I was, I was calling two, her two the plus sisters. one because she's dead now, yeah. but in her in <laughs> theory. He's got the, he's got the, uh, the uh, what's that I want to say? The, the friend he can cry on the shoulder of, and then his little buddy that ha- that has his back and wears a baseball hat. Mm-hmm. You got the, the butler of the house and Gilliam. You got, oh, yeah, I forgot about Alfred. Like, we are very close to having, like, a um, uh, Family Matters kind of sitcom with this crew. You know, I'm, I'm very excited for an anime that we will we have on the list later that will deal with found family. I'm really curious if we'll come back to this on that. I I feel like we don't see so much of that found family stuff just because, like, where, where we just left it is in the middle of this huge upheaval sure. because the person who was really... Like, Hilda had, was the captain of the crew up to this point. And, like, so, like, now everything we just said about, you know, Gene, also he is about to, like, get his first crack at really being the captain. Because even when it was just Starwind and Hawking, like, Jim was mm-hmm. running that business, you know? Now Gene is the leader. 
yeah. people are looking to him, and he has to figure out what he what Gene Starwin leader looks like. Yeah, it's just like, and and it goes back to the thing about like here's a guy who spent all of his time, you know, sort of just like like drowning the around. drowning his hurts and now yeah. it's just like hey you have the ability to go after something what are you going to go after how are you going to do it and and how what lengths will you go to and like it's cool yeah. I, I i feel like this actually plays up sort of the depth of the show that because it is you know most of the time it is just like a, a you know fight of the week silly anime action anime with like you know fighting spaceships but like these elements are in there <laughs> oh yeah especially especially once we get into the essentially the hierarchy of the pirate the k pirates as they become introduced it uh, the very first one he interacts with deals with a kind of are you, you know thou art not ready but you know what does it mean to be an outlaw what does it mean to be someone on the your own to be in the position you are in yeah and are you are you really prepared for that responsibility you know what honestly even just like the recurring it, recurring bit slash exploring the relationship between hid and fred Lowe and how he deals with somebody who like who has that asymmetric relationship to him even that's kind of interesting like this show mm. like it is an it is an action show but it is like subwritten as a sort of case study on Gene Starwin personality and motivations. It's cool. Yeah, it's 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 very well done. It's like once you dissect, as you said, possibly more than the creator intended. But still, it's 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 there and present. It, it can be intentional or otherwise. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I love about it. And this one will get me kicked out of anime, I'm sure. Why are you trying so hard to get kicked out of I, anime? I, well, it, no, I'm not trying to get you all. I'm just, I'm just working on me. And it's, it's one of those, I I love Bebop. Let me put this out there. There will never, I will never throw shade at Bebop. Mm -hmm. But I kind of like this a little more than Bebop for that. Mm -hmm. That's okay. You're allowed. Yeah. Well, you say that, but the anime at large, Bebop is the holy trinity amongst it i'm sure unless you count seasonal anime in which case you know that's a whole nother discussion but yeah it's it, it i feel like it does the the family dynamic a little bit well exploration of the family dynamic found family dynamic better than bebop did yeah and i feel like it also, Bebop also had an amazingly fleshed out world and made you want to know more. But I feel like Outlaw Star, at least for me, has that appeal of there is absolutely something more eldritch and cosmic going on. Well, here that's that because won't... there's magic. Anytime well, you have yes. magic, yeah. it's like, but, more but the fact going that there's, on. No, there's no explanation, period, that I love for that. I, and I think, what little explanation you do, you may get by the end of this. Still, it's like tip of the iceberg, and what it feels like is out there. I, I think what you're talking about kind of goes into you know why we made our tier list the way that we did, where <clears throat> Bebop is in just good TV tier, and this is where we get into like actual anime because like they're absolutely comparable in that sense. But like you look at Bebop and 
Bebop doesn't have, you know, the just sort of like recurring sex pestiness of a gene. And that is a very anime thing. Like, um, we don't have, uh, Melfina's moe-ness, which like we kind of get hints of that in like two episodes with Faye, just because of her, like kind of rediscovering the young Faye that she doesn't remember or whatever, but like nothing approaching everyone in Cowboy Bebop knows what soccer is. I mean, everyone in Cowboy Bebop calls it football. They're on Jupiter calling it football. Nobody says soccer anymore in that future, you know, like there's a, there's an element of like, I think, you know, I am, I am kind of on the same side that like, if you had me, if if I had to like, you know, desert island pick between Outlaw and Bebop, I pick Outlaw. But yeah, if you ask me which one I think it is going to be easier to get people hooked on, it's Bebop because it, it, yeah, there is less anime nonsense to have to get past with Bebop. They're both very good for very different reasons. Yeah, Be- and Bebop, I think that's Bebop why I appreciate is. That. Bebop is is almost a safer choice. It's a bit more rounded, but um, yeah, th- there's it, 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 it's it's that thing where Outlaw is, is the one that is like rougher around the edges in a way that gives it a little more like um, endearing character, you know, uh, uh, beauty and the flaws kind of stuff. Maybe yes, it's not perfect, but it's it's perfect because it's not perfect in its own way. Yeah, it, it definitely you you grow to to enjoy the flaws uh, inherent. Mm-hmm. Also, now I'm going to throw in a little trivia. I'm going to steal this from Joe. How dare! Hey Bob. In, yeah. yeah, I know, right? In 1998, did you know three space westerns came out together? Okay. One was Outlaw Star. Yes, was one Cowboy Bebop. Uh huh. Can you guess what the third one was? Gun smoke in space. <laughs> You're correct. It was Trigun. That was going to be my next guess. And if I remember correctly, they came out, if not the same day, with like weeks of each other. Hell of a year. Yeah, what a good year. I was going to say, 1998 was a great vintage for anime. <laughs> it's like the first time I'm going to say I was born in the right era. I know, anime. right? For the anime from our, our lifetimes that we enjoyed. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Yeah, no. It's like the, the, it's those little details that make life worthwhile. Um. Hey. Hey. Where, where does the opening go on our list? Oh, see, I was well, patiently okay. waiting for this one. I was saying, I, I <laughs> have not, not not just the opening. Can we talk about that ED? That beautiful sorry, melancholic <laughs> the ending. Okay, so Bob. Oh, education. okay. Thank you. Yeah, it stands for ending. I... Yeah. Thank you. Um, the 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 outro, Bob. Thank you. Much better. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Can we talk about that though? Because it's such. That was again watching episode four back in 2002 in the middle of the night, and I'm like this is really cool. This is great. And then I hear that ED, and that was the hook. That was the oh. thing. Like. Oh, there is something truly beautiful and artsy here, and I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, two thousand two year old me, and even to this day, I'm like, God, this is just like 
not literal, actual, but I, and I've thrown this one around a couple times this episode. Perfect ending. I don't think there's an ending I really love more than this one. So Joe made a very good point previously that different people like different things. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I I very much did not care for the ending. Credit music. I found it to be and I had mentioned how I didn't like the jarringness of, you know, the slowdown. Music for myself not correlate well with the show. Maybe it was because I only watched four episodes. I found it not that the intro, even though uh, I have a different opinion, uh, meshed with the show super well. Outro, not for me. But maybe it's That's a different art style. But... I mean, it, it, I guess part of the reason it hit so hard for me, too, is, again, first time I see this show, I watch someone who in the first four episodes you would swear is making it through the whole series bite it and it's just like wow that set a tone i know she literally did it Mm -hmm. yeah she bit it and then she bit it and this and this tone kind of does repeat as you know nick stated earlier it's this repeats later and that's part of the reason i think i love it so much is because it's not like oh this resonated with one episode it's like no this kind of resonates with the rest of the series in it in its own way it's not the action portion it's the self or internal reflection portion but again that's me you are you are valid for not finding it your taste bob and i completely respect that you break my heart but that's fine <laughs> i will say we're not here part. for my heart this intro uh, does, I think, uh, take over number one for me. Yes! I yes! am so happy because that is the correct answer. <laughs> oh, this is such a banger. This is a bit. Ba- this is so great. This I'm humming to myself the song as I'm driving around now. Is this not the <laughs> banger that bangered more than banger? Yes. This show I've... is one of the first shows that... I went out and I got the like score for this show. Mm-hmm. Like all of the incidental scene background music, I have all of that on my hard drive just because I wanted that oh. intro song so bad. And did we I even to... I, I looked away. When the intro starts and it just puts that big go on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did we see the part I it probably must have been in episode four. No, I don't think we did see it. So when the normal Outlaw Star boot sequence that we get when they start up the ship, he turns the key, all of the gauges go from down to max, and then they fade away, and all of the gauges just say go with that exact yeah, same I think, font. I know what you're talking about. I think it comes in in like three or four episodes from now. Oh, <clears> so good. I remember looking for that at one point during one of my many rewatches of this, because yes, I have. <clears throat> and... It, it, it struck me as weird. Like that seems like that's something a detail normally you would see inserted early on in a series, typically. But I kind of love that it was just later yeah. in the series than the first four episodes. I was like, oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's I so but I don't believe the the fun part is I don't believe I can be wrong. It was during the space race, which would have been probably <laughs> just default next choice for when that should have occurred. I don't think it's space race. I think it's when they leave yeah, the port is. on 
Where... Blue Heaven. No, not Blue Heaven. The other one. Oh, back when they go back to Sentinel Three. I, yeah, I, I think they leave Sentinel Three in a way, or maybe it is at Blue Heaven. It's it happens. It happens multiple yeah. times, and every time it just makes it it because they use the same font. It just makes the song kick off in my head again, and I'm just like, yeah, that song mm-hmm. whips. Oh, it's so good. I've been collecting, you know, I know I've talked to you guys a couple times, like collecting certain vinyls. I got the Bebop vinyl, which broke my heart because. The real folk, folk blues is on. I need a vinyl for this soundtrack just for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In middle I, school, I just, yes. my friend would burn me CDs of, like, just <laughs> random music he thought I'd like. And one CD had a bunch of what I would later discover were anime theme songs. But at the time, I only knew them as the cool Japanese songs. And this was one of those songs. So I liked this song before I saw the show. Oh, wow. And then when the show started, I was oh, like, hey, so cool. I know that song. They thing. The thing I heard. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. Um, let's see here. It's been a while since we recorded. What are other, uh, and, oh, are you going to, are you going to keep watching the show? Uh, so it's what, 25 episodes? 26, yeah. So, I'm going to give this out of 17.8. Okay. A, uh, a 17. Yeah. I will definitely, <laughs> I will definitely finish this because I like that, and I, without spoilers, does mm-hmm. it end? Hmm. Well, does the show end? Yes. Or is it? Yes. Or the... is it cut off? It has. It, it ends. Yes. Like, and yes. It, it has an intentional the... end. The, yes, okay. it has a finish for the story we are telling. Yes, okay. the 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 main through line of the show reaches an ending of that plot line, and then like the world is definitely like left open, like oh, the continuing adventures of the outlaws are, but it is like that's in denouement. The story okay. resolves. It's great. Okay, and, and to but, that yeah. point, Bob, there was a plan at some point, at least. There, there was a lot of early art <clears throat> suggesting there would be at least an OVA sequel or a sequel series of some kind that never came to fruition for better or for worse. But yes, this this is what I would call the perfect... You, you state that Bebop would be an easier intro. I feel like this would be because you can eat this in two or three days if you mm-hmm. had, had the movement. As opposed to Bebop, which is a little more of an investment. A good show, but a little more of an investment. Yeah, well, I mean, they're the same length. Bebop's only 26, right? Yeah, but uh, Bebop's right. definitely a little emotionally yeah. more heavy. Yeah, and, Bebop and is this, a heavier show. Yeah, each this Bebop... Is, go on. What? Oh, after you. I, I was just going to say, like, Bebop is definitely more like... Each individual episode is more denser and I think usually a bit more, like, self-contained. So, like, when an episode ends, you feel like, all right, cool. But, like, watching these four episodes, these could be one two-hour movie. And you're just like, yeah, just you're just, like, shoveling popcorn in your mouth with these episodes. Huh? Just like, just, just keep it mm-hmm. I think it is easier to get through this show. Yeah, so many episodes just kind of bleed into the next one. It's kind of like, there. <clears throat> there's a trope of, like, oh, okay, I'll just watch one episode. Okay, I'll watch two. I guess there goes my night. I'm watching the whole show. It can yeah. easily devolve into that, and it's still worth your time if that happens. I don't feel myself sitting here thinking, oh, how does this feel for my life? And I wonder how this means at the end of these episodes. It's like, okay, here's a really cool group with real threats. A protagonist who is 
the most real protagonist that I've encountered so far in these series. And somehow I don't feel like I have to stop. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you just want to keep going. Yeah, but I feel that's... like you could fit this in. I feel satisfied yeah, at the end. So good. Yeah. What a good show. It is. This... I have a friend who, uh, when this, when we ever we post this, I'm, I'm going to tag her in this because way back when, when I would show anime on Saturday nights on my Discord, she was like, "Why aren't you showing?" Uh, I said, "Why are you showing Bebop? Why show show Outlaw Star first? I'm like, "Yeah, I probably should," but I'm kind of like you, Nick. You said earlier, I'm I'm choosing the safe option or the safe bet. That's like this will absolutely attract viewers. This is this will get people because. It is that name, but yes, Outlaw Star, so good. Yeah. And I regret, I regret kind of like not starting with Outlaw Star. <laughs> I mean, you got to get them in the door, and then once they're hooked, yeah. then you hit them with the real stuff. Yeah, that's when you reel them in. It's weird to consider uh, the show that lets protagonists die is the friendlier option. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of Bebop, hey Bob, do you have a Bebop update for us? Yes. Uh, oh, let me grab my phone. Ooh, I'm just watching it on my phone. We yes. Bloop, bloop bloop. I am on episode eleven. Nice. Okay. So I have a question for you, Bob. You said yeah. you were going to watch G Gundam as well. Will are you going to go cruise through? Oh, a star after Bebop? Or are you going to be on them? Oddly enough, I'm probably going to take a break from Bebop, get through Outlaw Star. Yes! So, because, because Cowboy Bebop is a show that requires thought, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Which, and not to say Outlaw Star doesn't, it's just... It's, it's a little continuous. more upfront of what it is. Yeah. I, I, th- I think I'll, uh, uh, Bebop almost makes for a good, like, um like anime club kind of watch. Cause then it's just like, Hey, we're going to watch like three episodes once a week. And then also we get to like talk about them a little bit with each other. And cause they are dense and you can sort of like geek out over them together. True. Also, I'm going to throw this little tidbit out for you, Bob. I don't know if Joe had this one. I would assume Joe probably had this one. Stop me if you didn't, or stop me if you did Joe. So we talked about spinoffs. And how Bebop, or <laughs> faux pas there, how Outlaw Star has a spinoff called Angel Links? Yep. Bob, what if I told you Outlaw Star was a spinoff? Was it the show Sausage Links? <laughs> no. Um, I'm actually, I had it, and then my browser decided to do funny things. It was a spinoff of an older uh, manga series. I don't believe that ever got a anime production, but it also introduced the caster gun. Okay. And I believe and I'm having trouble getting the page pulled back up because for no reason it's not loading. Um, it, I believe it also dealt with, or the reference in like when you go to the, commercial break where it shows Outlaw Star and it'll say future hero next generation 
that's a callback to it. Cause I think it was like future hero and, and space adventure or something like that. I know I'm future retro hero story. Thank you. Thank you. That's what it was that, that little introduction into outlaw star or that little moniker sub moniker mm-hmm. is a callback to that. And it also dealt with the caster gun okay. at some point, but a different one. And let me tell you, without spoiling it, that, the caster gun gets very interesting later. Okay. I look forward to it. I genuinely like this show. It it would have been perfect if it weren't for the random slowdowns, which didn't appeal quite to myself. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they're bad, but there was enough action, story, and risk to make me want to see what else is going to happen. Find out how Melfina is a robot. <laughs> I, Bob, I'm I'm so excited for all the little lore expositions at the beginning of episode every episode. And I can't wait for your thoughts on those. I really can't. I'm so excited for this. It's so hit and miss. I love reading about the uh, motor or engine, mm-hmm. but then the next one was about the grapple arms, and I was like, mm, okay. that's, that's going to be a thing. It's it's just going to be it's like the, each one's going to be a different subject. I I bet you can't guess what the next episode is about. I won't tell you, but I bet you can't. Uh, the Outlaw Star flies in space and goes. And nope. Poof. <laughs> I will tell you, it has nothing to do with the ship. Oh, it's great. Gene finally gets around to addressing Jim and his weird comment. Nah, uh, um, it's fine. You're you're gonna enjoy it. It's gonna be your favorite. You know what else is fine? Mm. It, segways. Uh, hey, <laughs> yeah. I've got good news. Oh, good. You have officially graduated. <laughs> well, I congratulate nope. myself too. He's that, graduated. Yeah, nope. I can't edit that one out. You have officially graduated from the daytime tsunami tier. Yay, except I watched the uncensored non-tsunami version. <laughs> I would be have been really confused and unhappy watching the censored version. Well, so here's the thing. Now we move into the late night tsunami tier. Uh, uh the, I, I, I should that. make up some. Joe, you or I should make up some uh, certificates that we can <laughs> print out as we get through each tier. Oh, totally. So we've done elementary school. This is now middle school. <laughs> yeah, and now we're going to get into. Well, I, I just yeah. I just bought a wax seal too. I can make it official. Oh my god, that'd be great. Do it, actually, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is like some some early. Yeah. This is some high school stuff. Okay. We have one, two, three, four, five shows in this tier. Are Ooh, you okay. ready to make your next selection? I am. Okay, who would like... I would like to point out real quick. Yeah. I would just... Something Joe mentioned when uh, off off recording is... It's funny that... Or ironic... Choose choose your insert word here. That Outlaw Star, which premiered on the Midnight Run, was part of the daytime tsunami tier. It did not premiere on Midnight Run. It it premiered... It premiered simultaneously on daytime and Uh, Midnight Run. Midnight Run was the less censored version. I got you. Okay. Uh, then they, I was wrong. they did the Please same thing with uh, Gundam Wing. I guess it's good we watched that last then, because then it's like the bridge between the tiers. Yeah. 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 
All right, who would yeah, like to do the the tagline reading honors? Oh, Joe does them so good. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. So, oh, like Nick said, we have five. The first one is, listen, growing up was hard enough before the space pirate robot sprouted out of my forehead. Okay. The second <laughs> one is, yeah, well, I'm going to go make my own Batman with super robots and androids and amnesia. Eh, forget the amnesia. <laughs> I don't oh, remember reading that one. That's really good. <laughs> I was proud of that one. Okay, okay. The third one is, the secret ingredient is love and Soylent Green. Uh, <laughs> Soylent Green is people! <laughs> Spoiler! <laughs> Uh, the fourth one is the major has existential dread and a big old booty. You can you can read the other one. I think <laughs> I, that's the one that do, I wrote. Though. The other one is pretty good though. <laughs> but you do though. Do. Also known as do cyborgs dream of existential philosophical conundrums and have a big old booty. Oh, and she got a big. Well, booty. A big old <laughs> booty. Damn, she got a robot body. Is it rocking everywhere? I need to know. <laughs> For science. Don't rock the boat. Uh, the last one is bridge over the river Kauai, oh. as in the Japanese word for cute. Uh-huh. Listen, it's oh. a pun over bridge over the river Kauai. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also known as this ain't no Zaku, boy. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Uh, I will start easy with uh Batman. All right, and how? Oh, oh man! Hey Bob, did you like it when uh Domonkashu would call for big uh, or oops, <laughs> Gundam and snap his fingers and, and what? He just showed up. And what? Okay, but you remember? Let's try the Gundam. Domonkashu. Yeah. Would snap his fingers and you know call for shining Gundam. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, yep. You're gonna see a lot of that here. Oh, uh, that's convenient. Also, best waifu. <laughs> best robot waifu. Best waifu. Period. No, because there's two best waifus who are robots. Um, <laughs> Listen, also, also, I, w- I will fight you with Hilda. <laughs> literally animated. Uh, by the animation company who did part of Batman the Animated Series. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, all right, for the next episode, we're all going to be watching Big O. Big O? Big O. Oh, Big o. oh just want to see what the, the, the generic name for the robots is. I cannot <laughs> wait to hear what you think of the theme song. Yes, I was gonna get to that too. It's like I am so oh my excited God. for Bob's take on this theme. Oh, you're wrong. There better be some explanation as why it's a big O. Oh, oh you'll, you'll 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 get it like right away. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Bob. Everyone gets the big O right away. <laughs> that oh it's the point of the show. <laughs> okay. All right, I think that's everything. I think that's finally everything. I I yeah. made a, a bullet point to make sure we <laughs> hit all the points. Yeah. All right. Uh, that all being said, uh, 
that's going to do it for us. Uh, that's going to do it from us for this time. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next time, anime. A boy has a right to dream. Uh, big old, it's going to be fun. Thank you, everyone. Deep in the Weebs is a show by Chuck, Nick, Joe, and Bob. Our theme music is Kawaii Friends by C. Cotty 3 You can find our show on YouTube or subscribe to the audio-only version on iTunes or wherever podcasts are served. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it, yeah. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. Bob, Bobble, Bobble, have opinions. I, I'm I sad. I'm wait. sad. I'm not going to be in the room when you hit it for the first time. Same. Rather oh, for the second time. I'm so nervous. No, no, Bob. It's fine. It's going to be fine. Have I ever left you? Don't worry about it. Keep going. 